Welcome to Radio Free Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital media and the arts. My name is Cheyenne Homan, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Dina McAbee, who did a project now known as Songophone, which took a song and passed it from artist to artist, each covering the version that came before. My name is Dina McAbee, and I'm a musician originally from the Bay Area, and I just finished a composition program at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. You are a curator on the Free Music Archive for a set of songs that kind of center around one piece. And was this related to school or was it something you did on your own? It ended up being related to school, although I don't know whether I might have done it anyway. Once I had the idea, it was something that I did using my network of musicians and friends that I have. So I did think about doing it as part of my thesis, but it was also really kind of just a a logical consequence of knowing a lot of musicians around the country. Yeah, so let's kind of back up a little and explain to listeners who may not know what we're talking about, what the project was and why you wanted to do it. So the Song of Phone project started out as an idea to make up a song and send it along a chain of other musicians, and each person along the chain would only hear the version of the song that came right before them, and then they would have 24 hours to record their version, and then they would send it on to the next person. And that way it would be like a game of telephone, in that each person would only hear one example of what was being made, but then by the end you would have a transformation occur that was based on the little changes that happened between one version and the next. That's basically how it went, although there were some unexpected things. Mainly the degree of change was greater than I expected it to be, and that also had to do with the rules that I set out, which were very open, so people were free to really make their own versions their own, which was cool. It was just different than I expected. And it also brings up the issue of what it means to make a cover. Um, I think in my mind, subconsciously, making a cover means making something that's very close to the original. But for other people, I think they had a very different definition of what a cover can be. So so that was one thing that I learned. But in any case, it did go down the line from one person to another, um, over almost 30 people. Now there's this rainbow of versions of a little song and um, a sort of interesting community of people who, who all participated in the project. And it was really fun. Did you know all of the musicians ahead of time? Almost all of them. I was hoping to reach out to more or or to sort of, you know, use other people's networks to get more people I didn't know involved. But in the end, it was more expedient to kind of work with people that I knew. It sounds like, I mean, this was pretty ambitious and it ended up being kind of forking off in three directions. Did you intend for that to happen? No, it's so interesting. One of the great pleasures of doing this project was being able to kind of make adjustments as it went. But since I was under a time constraint, if if I got to a point in the chain where someone wasn't able to turn over their song in the amount of time, it was kind of advantageous to let it fork off onto another chain of people so that it could still not lose the momentum. 
I mean, clearly, I'm sure the results kind of surprised you. Did you have any favorites or like ones that were particularly surprising? They were all, it was like the best Christmas moment every time I got a new one in my in my email. Um, I did have people send them to me as well as to the next person. So I was basically eavesdropping on the whole process. Um, I thought about leaving myself out until the end and not listening till the end. But then I was afraid that things might go awry or just sort of get lost in the shuffle. So I wanted to to um, have my ears on it. So anyway, every day I would get a new one. They were really all amazing. Did the artists get, like, what did they get when they received the song? Did they get a lyric sheet? Did they get any kind of chords or any sort of other guidelines? Or did they just sort of get a recording and were told to cover it? All they got was the recording and they were told to cover it within 24 hours. So I that was one of the constraints that I imposed in order to kind of encourage some level of change. Do you think that you would do a project like this again? It was so fun. And the the beauty of it was all I did was write one song and send it out and give some instructions and everything else like happened by magic, like rolling a ball down a hill. And, and people were really excited about it. And I got a lot of really unsolicited feedback. Like how often do you get just like emails from people you've asked them to do you a favor and they say like, oh, thank you for including me. So I learned a lot about what, people enjoy putting their energy toward and it's kind of about this balance between having a prompt or a constraint and then also having a certain amount of freedom. That's another kind of idea that I was trying to work on while I was in school. So I was happy that that, that came out of it. So I would, I would love to use what I learned about that to um, make a new, a new project. I don't know that I would do the exact same thing again. Um, but one thing someone, uh, one of the participants suggested was, why don't you, um, only let people listen to it once before they have to make their version. And I think that would be a a really interesting project. Of course, the song would be nothing like its original self very quickly, but it's almost like a sort of test of the subconscious to hear what you actually get from hearing something only one time. Yeah, so what do you think you would do differently were you to do this again? I would love also, like I said before, I would love to find a way to include more people that I don't personally know. One thing I tried to do this time was to arrange the chain so that different people, even though I knew everyone, that it wouldn't go between people who knew each other well. Um, So I was hoping for that feeling of like first encounter, like you would hear the song for what it is and not hear what you already know about the person, if that makes sense. And then also another thing that a lot of people talked about was having a kind of chain letter effect where everybody who participated would also kind of rope in um, their friends and, and kind of rather than having it be a single transmission line in, in, in a linear way, have it be kind of like a spokes of a wheel sort of expanding out. So I think that would be really fun. So what brought you to FMA? Like, why did you want to put it on the Free Music Archive? Oh, good question. Um, so when, when things were kind of wrapping up and I was I wanted to present it um, both for the people who I participated in and also for my, for my thesis project and also just in general, um, I was kind of casting around for different ways to present it. And I realized it actually matters in some ways how you encounter it, whether it's in a single stream one after another or whether there's a possibility of jumping around. And anyway, so I, I set up band camp because I was familiar with Bandcamp, but also it afforded a way to kind of give each track 
its own little real estate um, on the page. So I thought it might make it so that you could jump around. But then I got feedback from the performers, from the participants, that they wanted to be able to sort of listen to the whole thing as a list. And then someone else said, hey, this is perfect material for the Free Music Archive. I think my friend Eric Klein was familiar with it. And he just said, oh, you should contact them and, and see. So really, it was from the participants who suggested that I that I put it there. Oh, cool. Well, I hope that you're happy with the presentation there. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool to be to be part of that, just because it's such a neat institution. And it's like, something people know about. So I'm um, yeah, it's great. I posted about the song phone on our newsletter and some people oh yeah yeah someone someone said that to me that was so cool yeah a couple of people approached me and said is that still going like that would be so fun um (laughs) well yeah I'm very curious a couple people have asked me that too I mean I I'm totally open to having it go on in whatever way that's technically possible yeah we uh sometimes host events on our site and we have like sort of a contest or like submission um, platform where when it's open, people can upload their version of a thing. And as long as they agree to the licensing terms, they can be published on FMA. So if that's something that you'd like to explore in the future, we'd be happy to host something like that. Yeah, no, I love that idea. And I love what you were saying about the way that FMA can, can sort of offer an alternative, like, we're all sort of used to the way things are are channeled on the internet. Like, oh, it's an album, you know, or it's, you know, you buy it and download it, and it's a sort of one-way transmission from the artist to the listener. There's really no reason to stick to to all of those those kinds of frameworks with <laughs> with the internet. You know, there things can go back and forth and travel around and change, and it doesn't have to be this sort of like static listening experience. So I love that that this project kind of tapped into that and it sounds like other things you're doing are too. Yeah, and I think once once something touches the free music archive, it gets a life of its own. <laughs> so, you know, maybe some of these versions will end up in podcasts or other productions and cool. who knows. Well, cool. This has been super fun. I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk to us about it. Thank you for asking me about it. I'm very thrilled um, that people are hearing it and and that it's a kind of project that um, catches people's interest. Yeah, definitely. Let us know if you want to do another song of phone. We'd be happy to host it. Fantastic. All right. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive. Our intro song this week is The Spider-Man's Nano Loop by Uncle Bibby, and our closing song this week is Roman Numeral One by Dina Maccabee. Both can be found at freemusicarchive.org. You can listen to Dina's whole song and all the versions that came after by looking for Songophone in the curator directory on the Free Music Archive. Too far.